Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. First, we turn to yesterday's budget. Yes, folks. An exciting day, maybe. Disappointing day for others. Uh, lots to get through. We won't touch on half of it this morning, but uh, to tell us uh, the Sinn Féin perspective on yesterday's budget, I'm joined by Mairead Farrell. Mairead Farrell is spokesperson for the party on public expenditure and reform. Good morning, Mairead. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Um, yesterday's budget, in a nutshell... First of all, before we get into some of the nuts and bolts, your well, overall I think, view. I think basically uh, what I would have seen is that it failed to deal with any of the key issues of the day. So the big crises that we are facing in our in our housing, uh, in terms of housing, in terms of our healthcare system, and in terms of childcare, it just simply did not um, cut the mustard in that regard. And in some ways, it nearly seemed like the government was saying, "Well, look." We can't really, you know, we we don't know how we're going to deal with the housing crisis. We don't know how we're going to deal with um, nearly a million people on waiting lists for in our hospitals. And we don't know how we're going to deal with the unaffordability of childcare. So instead, we'll just, you know, make a load of announcements um, and hope for the best. But really, you know, governments need to be able to deal with those key issues. In fairness, I don't think there are many people who would disagree with you. You've picked out three of the most poignant disappointments. Health, housing and childcare. But before we go into those and more, what do you see as positive coming out of the budget yesterday? Give me, give me a few positives that you couldn't argue okay. with, that, that, okay, that you'd I actually think, welcome. Yeah, okay, so there's things that we've been campaigning for for a long time. So the likes of um, they've decided to finally um, increase the SUSE grant. Now, it, if it goes far enough is another question, but, um, you know, they hadn't increased that in a long, long number of years. So they finally, now that um, I suppose we've seen in the news that students literally have to go to food banks um, in order to feed themselves because of the high cost of renting, etc., and the high cost of living, um, they finally decided that they will um, increase the Susie Grant. I think that's um, a, po- a positive. I think it was good that they listened to um, our campaigning and the campaigning of the sector in terms of uh, carers. Carers were such... Um, you know, uh, they, they did such fab- you know important and extremely important work, and they lost all their supports overnight during the course of the pandemic, and they kept the most vulnerable um, citizens um, of this state, you know, safe during um, several waves of the pa- pandemic. And um, so they seemed to recognise that, but really, you know, in a lot of ways, they didn't go far enough in relation to that. But at least they did recognise that. No, but it, that it's a positive. Some things. So give me, give me, give me a couple time. more give you a couple more let me have a quick think um i think there's you see i think what well i suppose i put it this way right you could list off um a few things and you'd be like oh isn't it great that they gave a little bit here and a little bit there but it just doesn't tackle no marie there are positives and negatives now let's let's face reality and, and, yeah, let's, yeah, and, is, let's, and let's be balanced about it let's be balanced there are a couple of other We're things that balanced. I I personally and that's oh, yeah, I'm, good, not, I'm not the listener me. but I could no, identify no, no. as being positive yeah, yeah, and I, I'm asking you to identify them well so I think it is good that they um, increased Susie for the first time um, in a long number of years I think it's I think it's good that there is um, you know that there's going to be a different focus in terms of public transport. So what we'd always say is that, you know, you need to cut the cost of public transport in order to entice people to go and use public transport. Obviously, we can have a whole other debate about actually accessibility to public transport. But they have said that for 19 to 23 euros, they're going to cut um, the, they're going to cut the cost 
say, of fares by half. Now, we had a different approach. We were saying for under 18s to build that, uh, you know, we have a car culture um, here. So to build, you know, that change in car culture, we felt that it should be um, free public transport for under 18s. They took a different approach and said 19 to 23 year olds. Um, they're, you know, obviously entitled to a different view in relation to that. Obviously, those who are 19 to 23 who are listening, um, I'm sure will be happy in relation to those proposals. Another thing that we also included in our alternative budget um, was free contraception for women um, between 17 and 25. They've also included that. Um, I think that's, that's quite welcome. So there's a few things like that, um, but I, I just don't think it does tackle with the big, broad issues of the day. And if you want to hear all the wonderful things that um, the government say they've done, you'll have to ask um, a government... No, uh, I, I, government I, I, I'm, I'm listening to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to you. And it's just yeah, import- yeah, yeah. It's important that we get balance. And you're absolutely oh, right. Absolutely. In, in, no, terms absolutely. Of, totally in, in, in terms of the 50% reduction in, in, in public transport fares... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it takes into account students and low-paid workers. As you say, if and only if, if you're in a town or a city where public transport exactly. is available. And so the other side of that coin is, uh, what about rural Ireland? I take your point. Well, I, I said that actually yesterday. Yes. So I, I spoke for half an hour yesterday on, on the budget directly to the two ministers. And while I said, like, we welcome um, that proposal and we had a different approach to it, but look, people have different approaches. What I did say is, like, you know, the reality is that the two key issues in terms of public transport, you know, people, people will move to public transport if it's available to them. You know, people want to do that in a lot of ways if you if you have a bus run outside your door um, it's easier to hop onto it than having to try to find parking etc but the reality is people don't have that um, so as you know I'm from Galway and there's a bus that was running from Galway to Dublin right and it was just a bus and it is stopping every t- town along the way so it gave a bit of um, it gave a bit of accessibility it was called a 20 expressway up to Dublin from Galway um, and they cut that I mean if you're going to be cutting buses and if you're going to be cutting public transport then that's just you know, that's going to make it very, very difficult for people to move from cars, obviously, to, to public transport. Well, it's, we like a, it's, like a, it's like a forward planning. Yeah, the thing is, like, what I said is, like, you know, build it and they will come. Like, my mother's from Berlin, right, in Germany. And um, in Germany, like, in Berlin, you don't need a car because there is public transport everywhere. There's all kinds of public transport. You'd never, you'd, you would never miss a car. You know, you'd never miss a car because you can just jump on and you can get from X to, you know, A to B with no with no big issue and, you know, it's at an affordable um, okay. rate and that's okay. what you basically need to do. And you mentioned contraception, another good move. Uh, but, but again, the other side of that coin is there in, in terms of sex education and relationship awareness and all of that, we have a long way to go in terms oh, of consent oh, and in terms absolutely. of all the dangers that are out there with sex trafficking and, and all of that. That needs to oh, be opened oh, yeah, up for yeah, yeah, public no. discussion. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other yes. ball game. but I think in terms of a first step, you know, like, I mean, at the end of the day, um, it, you know, it's a first step, but obviously we do, the question, have a, a, a very long way to go, but um, I do think as a first step, it, 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 it's welcome. Now, Let's get to the other side. Take child, yes. take childcare, for instance. Uh, yeah. m- more people are being brought into the what's termed affordable childcare. Well, what I see missing from that is what about care, childcare workers on low paid income? There's nothing to address that. 
Well, I suppose what they're saying is basically that they're going to be spending this, I think it was 73 million that they said, and that they would, um, they'd expand, basically really what it is, it's a freezing of fees, right? Yes. So they say that they will pay the, um, the early childhood educators wages for the, cre- uh, for the creches and that, and then it would be a, a freezing of fees. So it does look like they will, um, you know, look at increasing the fees depending on the outcome of this um, joint labour committee. But that could take a very, very long time. Um, you know, they're saying that they want to have this done by September, but, you know, uh, uh, that could take longer than that. So really, uh, it isn't making a, a big difference right now um, to those um, professionals working in the sector, I'm not sure. But the problem is they're basically locking it in on unaffordable rates. Yes, I mean, if you're getting, basically, you could get um, a small reduction if, you know, on if you have, like, if you're doing 40 hours in a, you know, for parents, if you're doing 40 hours and it's all these complicated things, but really what it is, is it's a freezing of fees. And what we said very, very clearly is we actually need to cut fees. That's for parents. So there's three things basically what we need to do because it's, it's, it's such an important sector, as you know, such an important sector. And we have highly skilled, qualified professionals working in that sector who are passionate about the job and want to stay in that sector, but they're underpaid, as you said, um, and because of that, sometimes in life, then they'll have, you'll have to just move into another sector because you might want to try and get a mortgage. You might find it hard to pay your rent, whatever it may be, although you're passionate about the sector. Um, then the second thing that we, we realize is that crash owners are saying very clearly that 70% of the, you know, the outgoings that they have is actually on um, wages and that, and that they're struggling to keep the doors open. But then we also have the situation whereby parents are finding it impossible impossible to pay those high fees and you know they talk about um you know you know people want to make want to start a family in that and um, but you know the fact that the child care fees are so extortionate just makes it so difficult for people you know to take that first step if they're not living beside you know granny and granddad all those things um you know can be it can be very 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 difficult and um, so what we needed to see you know those two core things in terms of people's outgoings it's the child care fees needed to be um, cut and and second of all we needed a, um, to see something for renters as well but okay. that in terms of childcare was you know we need to see a cut on free fees rather than freezing them at unaffordable rates well you mentioned rental I mean rent, re- renting pe- people who are renting are very sore this morning I would imagine oh, I and also the help to buy scheme e- extended but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't cater for second hand homes well, there's a huge amount of issues in terms of help to buy. I mean, what we know is that basically help to buy pushes up prices. Um, so, you know, they said, oh, we're going to continue. Yesterday, and Pascal during his speech, he said, oh, we're going to continue help to buy. Um, he didn't say this part, but I'm saying it, although we know that it's pushing up prices. And then um, he said, we're going to have some kind of a review on it. The reality is it pushes up prices. You're right, it doesn't include second-hand homes, but it, it's it's not the kind of targeted measure really that we need but in terms of renters I mean I can't believe it you'd think that they would have known like you know we have 300,000 people renting you'd think they would have said to themselves we need to do something for renters when they're you know the rents in Dublin City are like 1800 a month um, so you know it, it's huge huge cost for people and that means that people are living in over cramped crowded um, conditions and so what we are saying what we said very clearly so we put out an alternative budget so we totally detailed, totally costed and looked at exactly what kind of um, a budget we would deliver. So what we said is that 
you need to put um, a month's rent back into renters' pockets. So that would basically be, um, you know, in terms of a tax relief. Then what we would also do is we would ban an increase in in rents because at this moment in time, what the government have is they're saying it, they're not increasing that much. It can only be increased in terms of inflation, but we also know that inflation is rising. So really what we needed to do and what we needed to see was clear action from government to say that they, are, that they understand what's going on with renters, they understand how difficult it is, but again, it just seemed that the government was completely, completely out of touch okay, in this Marie, regard. There's a couple of things I want to get to before we let you go. Um, Another, I suppose, a positive, uh, the green agenda in this budget, the carbon tax, the the, the rise on fuels and so on, at least it's ring-fenced. Would you not agree with that? The thing... Okay, so as you you know, we aren't in favour of increases in the carbon tax because, uh, and I'll put it quite straightforward, right? The whole concept of the carbon tax, the whole premise on which it is based is this that you're asking families um, and, 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 you know, you're asking people basically to move away from carbon consumption. Now, we all know that that is what is needed in order to deal with the climate crisis, right? But the thing is, what you're doing is, what they're doing is they're raising the carbon tax um, when they're providing no alternative for people. Can I so stop you for a second? Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. There, are, there are two types of taxes. There's what I call, I would call an incentivized tax. In other words, mm-hmm. we are talking about people changing their lifestyles and so exactly, on. And, yeah. and the carbon tax is one of those incentivized taxes. The other tax, the other tax is the revenue raiser. The alternative, mm-hmm. we, we have no choice. We, we, we're constrained under EU regulation. Uh, in no, terms of meeting our carbon emissions. In yeah, fairness, the government has no... But at least it's ring-fenced. And, and my thinking is, no. my hope is, that that ring-fenced money will go back in to, to compensating the, 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 the uh, low earners who can't afford the, the extra raises in, 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 the ter- in terms of fuel and so on. Yeah, but so how, can you, not, how can you disagree with that? Oh, oh, I completely disagree with it. I think basically what it is is um, targeting um, families who don't have an alternative in terms of moving to um, other other means. So if you look at it, we just talked about the fact that people don't have an option in terms of public transport. We have a situation whereby, um, you know, electric vehicles cost huge amounts of money. What we said is that we need to have um, a a grant system for people to get second-hand um, electric vehicles. We have a situation whereby we need way more um, electric charging points um, than we have currently. All these things is what we need to be focused on if we do want people to move away from carbon. So how would you fund... Absolutely, that's what we would need to do. Going down the road of non-carbon tax, how would you fund those initiatives oh, that so you're we talking have a, about? We have a completely... Um, we have a complete, you know, we have a budget, an alternative budget that we put together. No, that but where, is where's the money coming from? Where's the money coming oh, from? Oh, okay, so there's there's loads of different measures. Um, as I like, like, I mean, there's basically what we would have said is we would have done revenue um, increasing measures worth 1.5 billion. From euros. where? That's a number of different things. I'll, re, I'll tell you a few of them. So first of all, we would have removed um, tax credits, and this would have been on an on a tapered va- basis. On individual incomes above 100,000, we would have increased. We would have introduced a three percent solidarity tax um, on individual incomes over 140,000, and that would have been just on that income over 140,000. Um, we would have um, abolished this special um, assignee relief program, SARP, which they tell us they're going to do all the time. We would have. Um, we would have done introduced a second home charge at a rate of 400 euro. We would have introduced a wealth tax um, at a rate of 1% on net wealth held above a million euro. And just to be clear, that would not include um, um, farmland. 
um, we would have removed the help to buy scheme. Um, we would have extended bank levy, which they have said they would okay. do. We would have increased stamp duty on commercial property to 12.5%, um, um, but with relief for farming. So all of these measures, details all of these measures have yeah. you ascertained how much you would uh, revenue you would get from each of those measures? Yes, so it's 1.906. In total? Yes. And then we have things that we would have, say, done the opposite with um like and then that would have been so basically what we would have said so we would have had net tax revenue of one and a half billion uh very quickly before i let you go free gp care to uh extended now to uh, under eights yeah what's your thinking on so, that well look i mean in 2016 neil Barker was health minister and said he was going to do it for the under 12 up to under 12 so obviously clearly that didn't happen so let's hope let's hope it does happen let's see how it goes um do i have massive faith that they're going to do it i don't to be perfectly honest but obviously um if they do um all well and good but we've but we've a chronic shortage of gps and that and and we we've a quite a quite a number of gps in county wexford in the in the coming months who are retiring Oh, well, I, I know there's a huge chronic shortage in GPs, and that's why we we said that we need to actually increase um, the amount of GP, you know, trainee GPs that we have um, by 25%. That would have been a key ask that we would have had um, for in the budget that we, that we would have delivered. I mean, I can't answer for government how they're going to do it, but what we definitely need to see is an increase in our GP and that, uh, in our number of GPs because so many people actually are finding it hard to to, um, to, to get a GP. Um, but that's why we need to increase the number of GP trainees by 25%. But let's see if they'll do it. Before we wind up, can I ask you, uh, you know, your, your own personal politics and so on? And you're, you were elected last year in Galway West, isn't that correct? That is indeed. Yeah. What, can I ask you, what brought you into politics, Maureen? Um, I um, so I joined Sinn Féin 13 years ago so I am what I'm 31 so I joined Sinn Féin when I was 18 um, I always had an interest um, in in politics to be perfectly honest and I suppose I did my leaving cert in um, 2008 um, at a time when you know the crash happened when really for my leaving cert class there was very very few um, you know there was very few options a lot of people in my class would have emigrated um, to be perfectly honest to, to try and find um um, uh, uh, to, to find, try and find a job in that and I felt that Sinn Féin was really speaking the politics um, that, that I was interested in so when I was in college then I joined Sinn Féin and I haven't looked back since loved it okay, So <laughs> your own personal view what is, what is your wish for Ireland as we go forward what is your visionary image of, of where we should be going over the next 10 years well, I think we need to be preparing for um, an Irish unity referendum. I think that um, we need to build a fairer society, um, and I think that we can do that. At the at, we would do that with our best strength um, as a united Ireland. I think we need to start putting ordinary families and workers first. We can't have a situation whereby we see, like in today's or in yesterday's budget, that there's tax breaks for landlords but nothing for renters um, that people wake woke up this morning and really what has changed for them very very little we need to be putting ordinary people first and I honestly believe that the, that, that the people's um, interests will be best served in a united Ireland Get back to housing for a second before I let you go and we were yeah. saying that young people are, are many of them are trapped in, in the rental market and can't get out yeah, of it terrible. What is your solution to the housing problem? We need to build houses. There's no other way about it. 
So we have very clear, detailed proposals in terms of building 20,000 houses um, a year. Um, and we obviously have Owen O'Brien as our housing spokesperson who has very, very detailed plans in that regard. But we can't we can't be the bear in the bush here. We need to build houses if we're actually serious about dealing with this housing crisis. That's what we need to do. Um, I mean, I've outlined what we would do in terms of the renters. But the, if we want to, to be able to actually, um, you know, deal with the housing crisis in itself, then we need to do what... Um, all the um, all the different agencies are telling us we need to double investment in uh, capital investment in housing. That means build. What we need to see is twenty thousand houses built a year. Who that would you see building these way. houses? Well, we would see. We would see. Well, these would be like a um, public and affordable houses. So you're so talking back to local authority. Public houses, absolutely. Yeah, it would be, it would be a local authority. Absolutely, that's what we need to see. Like, I mean, we can't have a situation whereby people uh, we have the highest number of homeless people um, that we've ever seen in the history of this state. We can't have a situation where people can't afford um, their rent. We can't. We have a situation where people in their 30s are living at home with their parents because they have literally no alternative. That is not normal. That cannot continue. We need to build houses. And look, it, the, the sooner the government gets a grip with that, the better. Okay. Thank you very much for talking to us this morning. That, thank you. That was Mairead Farrell there, spokesperson on public expenditure. Stay with us. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix.